This is Make It Real. I'm your host and chief unsquasher, Trisha Lewis. This podcast is for you if you'd like to grow your business and brand without squashing your soul. Communication and confidence tips galore. Food. We kind of need it to survive, but we sometimes have quite an odd relationship with it don't we? And if we've got a unhealthy relationship with it, I'd say that would be a pretty big squasher of self-esteem. My guest today is Laurie Weber, founder of the Mindful Eating Clinic. Don't worry, this isn't going to be about diets as such because she doesn't work like that. She really is all about the stuff that goes on inside our heads, practical tips that aren't about restriction and dire horrible diets in fact she's going to bust a few myths when it comes to that but this really is part of your unsquashing journey so listen up so here we are laurie and this is (laughs) welcome welcome thank you this is quite funny because Laurie interviewed me yesterday for her podcast and now we've swapped roles. So I'm going to have to remember <laughs> that I'm the host. You're the guest, Laurie. It's OK. I've got it. I've got it. Uh, and likewise for you. you're going to, uh, ah, Exactly. I was thinking that we might have a few deja vu moments going on, <laughs> but um, I'm sure it will be wonderful. <laughs> I think this is a fascinating topic and it's one that I haven't really covered, I don't think, in any of the other episodes. I've covered various things which all come into the bucket of you know the stuff that messes with our self-esteem um and I've had somebody talk about menopause in particular and so you know certainly the mind-body stuff but not specifically about food Mm -hmm. and our relationship with it so first things first clearly you didn't just wake up one morning and think I know what I'm going to help people have a good relationship with food so you you probably had a little bit of an experience tell us yes you could say that so um thank you for for asking and I I like sharing this because I think there are probably a lot of other people out there that have had a similar chronic experience um of disordered eating so I had on and off 40 years of disordered eating what does that look like that looked like at its worst binge eating disorder where I could could have been found although I always did it in secret sitting on the kitchen floor with every cupboard and door open and the fridge open just just eating um anything and everything um right through to just I suppose I was always on some kind of diet but felt that it was okay and I had it all under control and this was just how I was destined to live and it was all fine so that's the good end and the bad end and everything in between over a period of 40 years and then I got to my mid 50s and I realized that it had been going on for 40 years because I was 15 16 when it all started Um, and I thought hang on a minute you are a reasonably intelligent woman you've held down several quite good jobs you've raised two children what is going on and so rather than sort of beating myself up about it I thought I thought 
you must have the skills to be able to do this or you must now be in a position if you feel like you want to fix it to actually seek the help to do it now why hadn't that happened earlier I think because I thought I was coping with it okay and I think it was when I started to work a little bit less I thought hang on what does the rest of my life look like actually this thing is really not making me happy and I'm not coping with it um and so I decided that I would use some of the skills that I'd learned in my corporate career as a trainer and a coach to do some of that work on myself. I read quite a lot of books and I looked into mindful eating, intuitive eating, dieting, the impact of it psychologically. And I basically dealt with myself as if, as if I was a third party, <laughs> which sort of sounds slightly odd, but having now trained to help other people, it's really fundamental to be able to separate the eating behavior from ourselves and what we think about ourselves in order to deal with it. So that's what I did. And I then decided that I couldn't just sit still and be quiet about it. I'm not quiet about many things. So I thought I'm gonna to have to shout about this because I, if I can help someone not have 40 years of this, that's what the rest of my life is gonna be dedicated to. I love this because it was only yesterday, as I say, you interviewed me. And if anybody wants to go and listen to your podcast, um, and it more or less mirrors with a different, topic at the core yeah. of it but it more or less mirrors exactly what you just said because mm. I am a not I'm a similar age it took a long 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 time for me to really wake up to the self-doubt weird stuff non-aligned not being me stuff and then I did just like you did got the books I've read you know I also read up about narcissistic behavior disorder because I was the on the other end of that on yeah. more than one occasion with people extremely close to me and I did the work and what you just said is just is, is excellent because it feels weird doesn't it but coming outside yourself and mm. treating yourself as the person you're working on um yeah, and you have otherwise to. you're in a you're in a it's, mess. Yes, yes, <laughs> and and there's so much um, self punishment. There's so much beating up of oneself that goes up. There's so much shame. There's a huge amount of shame and guilt, and we don't need to have a fully blown eating disorder. You know, any of these behaviors have a lot of guilt and shame attached to them. You know, for some people just having a slice of cake makes them feel guilty, you know? Um, so, so to be able to take that out of ourselves and see it as a separate thing that actually doesn't define us at all. You know, if, if I had a pound for every time over the last four or five years, I've said how you eat does not define you. You know, I, I would be, well, I don't know what I'd be, but, you know, <laughs> you get the point that I'm making. You know, it's something that I say so much and you can immediately see people go, oh, yeah. And so a lot of this work 
similar to to your work and that's why there's such a brilliant synergy I think between what we do and I kind of feel a joint workshop coming on or something I, I do don't know too. but yes. <laughs> you know that 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 so much of what I do is outside of eating is outside of food it's about helping people reconnect with who they are so that they just become bigger than this behavior they feel confident they feel empowered they improve their self-efficacy and their resilience to be able to go oh okay so mm. let's break this up I don't have to eat like this anymore I don't have to live like this anymore what does the new version of me look like and then we get the thinking in place and then we, we get the nuts and bolts of you know the meal planning and all of those things which support it but fundamentally to get someone to believe that they do not have to continue in an unhappy relationship with food. Yeah. And uh, this is, this is crucial because I mean, people, there's this whole sort of area of things like, what am I wearing? What do I look like? Um, do I go and get my nails done? Um, what size am I? Uh, what dress size am I? What um, diet food, which if we're not careful in, business as business owners gets kind of sidetracked into some kind of fluffy bucket as I call it of things that are all a bit superficial and we shouldn't really be talking about um and that that even goes as far as the stuff about you know that that I talk about about self-doubt and confidence which is crazy because all this stuff is absolutely the opposite of fluffy because because if you build on top of all that fluffiness stuff falls down regularly yes. or you're having to put so much effort into keeping it up that you burn out and you don't get any joy in in growing your business so this is really important and mm. I mean I yeah I grew up in a time where the whole diet craze stuff was was nuts in terms of me viewing it from my mother's um, behavior. <laughs> and I would just say there was this thing called Rivita um, roll. No, Energin rolls, Energin rolls. Very briefly, they were like biting into a sort of ball of cotton wool. They were kind of toasted on the outside with kind of air bubbles inside. Um, and I never forget my mother. She used to very delicately slice them in two, which wasn't easy, and then spread them with butter um, because it was the only way they were edible and stuck together to be able to eat, um, which, of course, was ironic. But uh, no, I just remember watching my mother constantly in and out of one or other of the dark crazies that were around. And I don't have a memory of my mother being happy, um, which is a very sad thing to say, but it's mm. the case. And I know that now there are, I mean, it's a long time since I've been anywhere near the diet world, but I guess it's still, it's still there, isn't it? The, the pressure. Yes. Um, well, yes, the, the pressure is still there. And I mean, I think diets have taken on a slightly different guise, but they are still essentially diets. And, and one of the questions that you ask your podcast guests, isn't it, that about busting myths, and this is a this is a this is the big one, is that diets in the long term do not work. You know, if you are looking to lose weight and keep it off scientifically, going on a restrictive diet 
both physiologically and psychologically does not work. You know, I mean, the percentages vary, but something like 70% of people put all of it back on and something like 60% of those put back even more. And there are physical reasons for that because when you deprive your body of calories, it doesn't like it. Your body is designed to keep you alive. You know, hold the front page, but of course it is. And so your body will therefore do whatever it can with whatever you give it to keep you alive. And that means that it will actually hold on to your fat stores. It will slow down your metabolism because it thinks that you're going into some kind of starvation, famine mode. Now you might get down to your target weight, but the problem is then, if you've been on a restrictive diet, you have not retrained any of those behaviors, any of the thinking, you haven't dealt with any of your food story, as I call it, any of that back catalog of experience, which means that that target weight, and incidentally, I never have a target weight with any of my clients. They do not exist in my world. That target weight is like a hurrah, I've got there, great. What happens? Of course, we're only human. We go back to eating the way we did before. We go back probably to eating some of the foods that we have disallowed that become what I call pedestal foods. So not only do we end up eating more than we did before, but your body doesn't understand what's going on. And so it's, it's still holding on to all its fat stores. The metabolism has slowed down. It's little wonder then that the weight starts to pile on again. And there are lots of people who swing backwards and forwards throughout their lives, gaining weight, losing weight, sometimes large, large amounts of weight, because all that is presented to them as a solution for their eating behavior is a restrictive diet. And so much of, of the investment is about the ideal body at the end of it or the target weight at the end of it, that all the other stuff that really needs to be dealt with doesn't get a look in. Oh, uh, yeah, absolute gold dust. I mean, the very word restricted. Mm. Ooh, what kind of a word is that? You know, just think of that. That can't be a good thing to be carrying around in your head. Restricted, mm. restricted. Mm. I mean, I, I mentioned this when we were talking yesterday. I said I have that kind of nobody puts baby in a corner thing that kind of crops up every now and then. Same thing. You know, you become likely to be quite rebellious and then. I've heard people say, oh, well, I, I almost swore that, but, you know, blow it. Um, I'm not dieting anymore. Oh, no, that's not me. You know, I'm exactly. happy, I'm happy yeah. the way I am. And you, you, well, they might be, but you know, from your experience, I'm sure that mm -hmm. that is a little script that they've, they've learned to try and get through um, life. And it, probably doesn't ring true in their own heads let alone anybody else who's hearing it so. probably not but you know our our subconscious wants to protect us so it will give us the messages to make us to make Absolutely. us feel as safe as possible so so we have to understand where some of those you know messages come from and the other thing to say about restriction is that if 
if anyone is listening who is prone to binging or has bouts of bulimia, restriction is absolutely the last thing we should be doing. Absolutely the last thing. And that that and that is my training talking and also my life experience talking. There are other ways of dealing with it and restriction is not restriction of focusing on weight is not the way. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's, things that's... are moving on a little bit because some of the some of the newer programs, you know, talk about the fact that you work with a psychologist when you join up. And so I think that there is a bit of a nod to changing the behaviours. But essentially, you're still working with an app. It's not really a personal program in terms of helping those behaviours. But yeah. It does go some way, at least, you know, rather than saying don't eat carbs or the kind of stuff that we were reading 20 odd years ago when, you know, Atkins first came out, those sorts of things. Because all of the work that I do, as well as it being quite quite psychology based and behavioral, there's also a, a very strong underpinning of sound nutrition because because that is absolutely paramount if you want to support the cognitive function in order to make those changes if your body is not working if all the systems are not as balanced as you can possibly make them then it's very difficult to manage cravings it's very difficult to to feel um, uh, uh, calm enough to be able to make the changes you you don't have the same level of confidence you might not be sleeping as well all of those things so so whatever approach it is anybody is is taking it needs to be as holistic as possible because everything connects you know the body connects with the mind the food fuels the body the body helps you know and so all of it should be working together working together absolutely with with everything and so getting i'm getting into the head now of potentially somebody listening to this podcast um and they might be saying, oh, God, but it sounds boring. You're going to give me it's going to be all like healthy stuff. And um, <laughs> uh, 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 oh, God, I don't like gonna... lentils. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a weird. So that is part of the. So I suppose there's two sides. Though, isn't it? One is literally I don't like the taste of all this healthy stuff. And the other one is um, it's boring because I think of these foods as treats uh, because we've kind of had that embedded in us from blinking kids um absolutely for a treat kids I remember saying that to my kids when they were little I won't go anywhere near one of those places now yeah. but I yeah. remember saying oh okay special treat we'll go to Burger King or you know uh treats on Friday special sweets mm. you know yeah. It, it's just it comes out without us even thinking about it, isn't it? It's part, it does. It's part of the language. It, it does, yeah. So, so I'm not a health food evangelist, and I'm not going to wrap anybody over the knuckles at all, because the principles of mindful eating is actually to say no food is off limits. No food, because if you think about how a hesitate to say normal person eats what's normal that's a whole different podcast conversation but you know a normal person for want of a better word can go out and have burger king on a friday enjoy it because perhaps of the social environment more than the food or they might they might love the love the taste fine 
And I say, well, that's part of your 20%. The other 80%, what we'd like to be doing is eating as nutritionally as we can within our preferences. So if I'm working with somebody, I'll say, right, tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you do like. Let's have a look. Let's do a food diary. Let's see what's going on. But one thing I do look at very closely is the amount of blood glucose impacting food. So this is where I I get a little bit evangelistic because, because there's a lot of research out there now that says that the more you can balance your blood glucose, the more stable and lower the levels of insulin are in your body, the more likely you are to be able to lose and manage weight, the healthier you are in a number of different different ways. So that is one thing that I will look at. And those kinds of foods are very often trigger foods for anyone who, who is binging regularly. And so as part of this idea about, well, where do you want to get to? You know, how important is that? What's that going to bring you if you get there? There has to be a little bit of pushing that says, okay, so if you want it enough, then let's look at how often we're eating cake and biscuits and chocolate. How much protein and good fat are we eating? And rather than say, right, you're not going to eat any cake ever, I would tend to say, let's add in some good fats. Let's add some better nutrition. And then what happens is you might still have a bit of cake in the afternoon. Great. But what tends to happen is that your body starts to function better with the better nutrition. And you'll find that you'll actually want it a lot less. You can still have it. I, I, I have to, the, I, this is fabulously um, valuable advice because, uh, and actually I can give you a little tiny from experiencing two things. One, about 20, 15 years ago, I did a, an anti-candida diet, which was, it, it, it sort of felt a little bit extreme at the time, but it was because I had recurrent cystitis and I mm. kind of read up on this and I thought, and I'd had it all my life that I could remember. I thought, for God's sake, do something about it. And I just went on this thing and it kind of gets rid of all sorts of bacteria that you don't want in there. But at the same time, it kind of really does turn off that kind of sugar requirement I never had a massively sweet tooth but it just decreased like mm. massively after that diet um including not actually being that keen on alcohol either because it kind of my system wouldn't take it that well which is a, a whole nother story I expect it can also really yeah. feed those infections oh my god yeah mm. so I mean the thing the and and then um yeah, so my sweet tooth down, 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 down. Um, and more recently, I suddenly had this light bulb. I thought, well, I could do with shifting a little bit of this thing around my waist. But I wasn't obsessive about it. But I just thought, well, let's give it a go. Um, and just simply eat a smaller portion for my evening meal. <laughs> because um, it, it, I, I eat, because I said, and a lot of listeners might think this, they might think, gee, I'm eating all the right things. You know, I have a healthy diet. I'm quite, you know, I walk around the block every day. And, I, and that applied to me. And I thought, so where, what's, can I, how do I shift that? And I simply, same food, but reduce the portion. And this is what you're saying about these craving things and the metabolism, because my 
tempting point of the day for nibbling, albeit that I'd nibble really healthy things like peanut butter, the real kind and stuff like that, was in the evening after dinner. And um, what I found was the smaller portion reduced my craving to go and nibble. And that is the most illogical sounding thing you can hear of, but it's exactly what you're talking about. You'll know all the science behind this, this kind of metabolism balancing thing. And, yeah, and, and, and I've lost I've lost a stone, Laurie, without even yeah. thinking twice about it. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the most important things that I try and help people do is get back in touch with their hunger and their fullness. Because if you're someone who's been on a lot of diets, you are eating with your head as opposed to eating with those physical cues. So it's a much more intuitive approach. You know, we've got two perfectly good hormones within our body that tell us when we're hungry, that's called ghrelin, and tell us when we're full, and that's called leptin. They they have been there from the word go, but what happens is when we start thinking, eating with our heads, you know, they we kind of don't pay attention to those messages. Um, you know, so so, a lot of the time, all somebody needs to do is to eat a bit, a bit less if they want to shift some weight. And incidentally, I don't mind if somebody comes to me and want and says, oh, you know, I want to shift a few pounds. But the one thing I will help them with is acceptance of the body that they're in at the time and make sure that any desire they have to be thinner is sensible and is well-founded and is not based on what they look like when they were 18. So there's quite a lot of unpicking, you know, that has to go on. So I do the whole lifeline of someone's relationship with food, how they thought about themselves, what their school life was like, all of that stuff. Because it's sometimes, say, you know, somebody wanting to be a certain weight and a certain size goes way back to being on the netball team at school and thinking that they were the biggest in the room. You know, and they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And these messages are coming back. So if you can start to understand that, you can start to say, that was me when I was 14, actually. And if I look back perhaps to where I was before, when I wasn't that happy, maybe 20 years ago, that actually was was fine or or 10 years ago that was fine and then we start to bring it forward and say and what can I be grateful for today what can I be grateful for about my body what can I accept we don't have to love everything we've all got bits and blobs and stuff that we that you know but see those bits and blobs as part of your life as part of you as part of your history they might have something to do with your children they might have something to do with an adventure they might have something to do with someone else a certain certain phase in your life or just the fact of trying to find a way to accept so that 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 sort of self-determination that's linked to weight and size and what i can pull off the hanger in mango or not you know, that that, again, we sort of come full circle, doesn't define me and that I'm much bigger than that. I'm much more, I'm much more interesting than that. And let's start to be a bit more, you know, grateful and sort of understanding of where we fit within the world. And we sort of try to then make 
make the, the size of our thighs or the size of our big toe or whatever it is that we've got to hang up, hang up about matter less because you're Absolutely. much more important than that. Yeah. And of course, the same go. I mean, you know, aging. I mean, I, I, you know, you have to, you have to embrace certain, certain things, certain funny marks that appear all over your body. Um, in, <laughs> and I notice these little sort of age freckly things on my yes. face. Oh, and I'm very and lucky. Lines and wobbles and lovely, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they lovely. Um, mm. It is nice if you've got people around you who actually um, uh, kind of, you, know, you don't want someone who's just going to say, oh, you look lovely all the time. That would be very boring. But I I came out of the bathroom having noticed all these parts. And I, I said to my husband, these funny little uh, friend. He said, yes, they're beautiful and gave me a kiss. Now, I'm very lucky. I'm sorry, listeners. That makes me sound really smug. But this is not my first husband, and I think I've done a lot of work to get <laughs> this one. So I deserve it. <laughs> but, you know, um, and that's obviously part of the deal that you would be talking about is relationships that the people have literally got with mm. other people because mm. it's, yes. it has a huge effect. Sometimes people, sometimes other people sabotage. I mean, they don't do it. Don't do it to be malicious. But how many times, listeners, have you been out somewhere and you said, oh, I really don't want any pudding? And someone who's with you, oh, go on, oh, go on. Because, well, I can't have one if you if you don't have one, you know, and and often that is more about their relationship with food. than And, you know, that doesn't really help. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I do have to help people be a little bit bit more assertive with others and to try and detach themselves and say to themselves what you eat is none of my business do you know do you know what there's a dark there's a dark side we'll we'll wrap up listeners on a really lovely dark note okay <laughs> give you nightmares okay i you have no doubt come across this and i certainly know of people who have lost weight and it is actually kind of uh, their relationship has fallen apart um, with their other half and it could be someone they've been married to for 30 years mm. and I mean my take on it is okay this probably had to happen um, because the reason it's fallen apart is that this person preferred you larger um, for slightly mm. wrong reasons and this has now yes. uncovered well, a dynamic and you have become more assertive yeah. and they don't exactly. like that yeah <laughs> I mean that's yes I mean it, it can be both yes but it is it is so it can happen that someone finds themselves I mean yesterday we talked about unsquashing so this is my little bit of unsquashing where somebody finds themselves I mean I have people that change their jobs I have people that that do all sorts of things that they've been waiting to do until they get to a certain weight. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. But that that's because this, we just put so much store by what we, what we weigh and what we look like and what size pair of trousers we are buying, that it sort of gets in the way. Oh, I'll go on holiday when I do this, when I weigh this, when I can wear this. And I just say, just, just do it anyway. What's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen if you do it now? We might just do a little bit of preparatory work and they do it and they come and they go, oh, 
I did it. I did it. And I was a bit kind of wobbly out standing outside the door, but I did it. I did it. And I came out in the car park and I burst into tears and it was really great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. No, I love it. I mean, and I mean that, yeah, because motivation, you said earlier on, if you want it enough, and it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Oh, the whole, we could do another whole thing about motivation, because motivation is a topic that really, I'm sure, comes into your work a lot as as it does mine. And, and you and everyone's different and people are motivated in different ways and and as you say you just don't want that motivation to be the stuff that people are pushing on you you want it to be the stuff that's coming from within you um and yeah I I mean I just thought let me just lose a bit of weight not through any great not because anyone said oh my god you put on weight because I hadn't really I'd sort of been fairly steady but I I'd gone to buy some clothes which I rarely do because I'm not a big shopper and I ended up sort of picking stuff up and trying it on. I thought, well, I don't really like this very much. And But on the other hand, they haven't got that in my size. And I just felt a bit sort of wrong. I just felt a bit, mis- like I talk about, misaligned with who misaligned, I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't a kind of, um, I need to look a certain way because of that. It wasn't anything to do. It was just me feeling not quite at one in my own body. And, and that presumably is is a good motivation yeah I mean I th- my main motivation with people will say we we're going to put health first we're going to put health first we're going to sort out the eating behavior we're going to make that nice and stable we'll get you on as solid and as comfortable and as preferred a nutritional platform as we can and the thing about weight is that if 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 you address eating behavior and you eat and you try and avoid the glucose spikes, the blood glucose spikes, and you get the behavior, you get a nice balance, your body has something called a natural weight set point, which is where it wants to be. Now that will alter through life, which is why, you know, at the age of 60, wanting to be a size eight, you know, my body doesn't want to be a size eight. It could be a size eight, but it would be torture. I'd have to watch everything I ate. I'd have to count my calories all the time. I'd be in diet purgatory and I don't want to go back there anymore. So, hey, I'm I'm one to two dress sizes bigger. Who cares? It's fine. So so it's about it's about health. Um, and and so your body will find a weight set point and it is about adjusting and saying and this can be difficult for people when they have have a history of dieting saying. I don't know what your weight set point is going to be. So that takes quite a lot of trust. That's why the emphasis has to be on how do you want your relationship with food to feel? What do you want it to look like? Let's work on the behavior and let's see what happens. And then alongside, we do the body acceptance work. I have a really good stylist in my clinic team. I have a nutritional therapist. I have an NLP practitioner. So sometimes people will come into the clinic and they work with more people than just me. It's quite a multidisciplinary approach. And that stylist thing can actually work wonders. It can can actually help somebody go, actually, I'm okay if I don't lose two stone. I'm actually okay. I seem to have got to a point where my eating's nice and balanced. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. I eat good stuff most of the time. And I'm a size 14. Let's, let's, 
let's make the best of this lovely 14 size 14 body Absolutely. I just think it's 14 because it came into my head. doesn't matter what size it no. is. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I, I was a 16. I've kind of gone down a bit to a 14, but it was because I was verging towards something's being maybe 18. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't the pressure. It was just, like you said, because I think by this non-diety sort of slightly tweaked version of eating purely reducing the evening meal size, um, I've lost this stone and it's sort of stayed steady at that place. And so I'm thinking that that's, that's absolutely cool what it. happens. Yes. My body is saying, that's cool. Mm. I'm cool with this. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, go trying to get, <laughs> no, um, trying to get back to what I was at. But I also have the story when you said the netball team, I was. You were right back there. Absolutely transported. Yes. I remember at gym, they used to have the scales in the olden days. We used to have to get on the scales publicly in front of the rest of the class and be weighed and measured. And there in our little navy blues on our little Airtex shirt, we waddled onto the gym floor and they, we were supposed to climb up ropes like monkeys and, and jump over horses. And if you were a bit podgy, that was tricky. And mm. all I remember feeling is ghastly. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I was um, that person you know. too. Everything, <laughs> everything was difficult. I was so unsporty. I mean, I had a hip issue, which didn't help, but, but all my friends were really sport. I mean, my best school friend who is still a friend, she, I've known her since she, since we were 11. She's a lifelong friend. In fact, it was her birthday the other day and we had a, a chat, you know, she was captain of the netball team, captain of the hockey team, captain of the, <laughs> captain of the athletics team. I mean, talk about persecute myself. Cause I was, well, the family used to call it puppy fat. Yes. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't fit. I wasn't athletic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, and they, all the rest of my friends were. So absolutely. We, yeah, yeah. Those, 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 those days with you. Yeah, those bits of school baggage are brilliant. I, I, my <laughs> best friend, who I am still in touch with as well, um, from you know all that time back, um, was really, really skinny, and and skinny is fair to say skinny. Um, and so we got called Laurel and Hardy by a lovely, kind schoolgirls. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So that was fun. Anyway, yeah, we won't get me on the psychologist couch. Now. It sounds like we've got so much in common. Yes. And this but, you know, been... just to say that all these stories stick, all yes. these stories stick. Yes. Yes. But if we can have some awareness around where this, you know, this punishment and these this need comes from, we can just go, okay, because it's the need that's driving the unhealthy behaviours, you know. So there love is... It. A solution. So if if somebody wanted to start getting into this place, okay, this 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 journey, shall we say? We've already done the, the myth myth busting, which is yeah. diets don't work long term. Yeah. Great. One one little thing, one little one tip. okay. One little thing. Whatever you're eating, eat slowly. Can I have a slightly second thing? Yes. And stop when it is no longer satisfying you. Yes. And and listeners, that applies to all sorts of things in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I think it's a great place to wrap up. So, Laurie, how do people get to know you better and what you do and possibly even think oh, about working? Oh, yes. How lovely. Thank you. So on my website, I talk about all the different services that I have. So I do a lot of one-to-one coaching. I have online courses. Um, and if anyone is listening to this near the end of the year, I'm going to start a new online program from January which people can join any month and that takes you on a mindful eating process really comprehensive process I'm on LinkedIn I'm a social media fanatic I'm on LinkedIn Instagram Facebook the occasional TikTok videos which are not very good but hey I'm on there at 60 I don't think that's bad so I'm out there and I look forward to connecting with anyone who would like to come on and have a quick discovery call with me anytime thank you Tricia Oh, it's been an absolute delight, Um, packed full of value, which doesn't surprise me at all. And a really, really interesting topic to delve into. So, um, yeah, we'll no doubt be doing it more. Thanks a lot, Laurie. My pleasure. And of course, foundational to all of this is you showing up to share as your unsquashed self. Want to know more about what that entails? Then head over to trishalewis.com and go to the Unsquasher Project tab on the menu or trishalewis.com forward slash unsquasher dash project. Join me for the next episode, either one of my five minute three step episodes or another cracking interview. (music) 